Chapter Three of the Feast of Saint Friend by Arnold Bennett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three: The Solstice and Goodwill. In order to see that there is underlying Christmas an idea of faith which will, at any rate, last as long as the planet lasts, it is only necessary to ask and answer the question. Why was the Christmas feast fixed for the twenty-fifth of December? For it is absolutely certain, and admitted by everybody of knowledge, that Christ was not born on the twenty-fifth of December. Those disturbing, impassioned inquirers after truth who will not leave us peaceful in our ignorance have settled that for us by pointing out, among other things. That the twenty-fifth of December falls in the very midst of the Palestine rainy season, and that therefore shepherds were assuredly not on that date watching their flocks by night. Christians were not at first united in the celebration of Christmas. Some kept Christmas in January, others in April, others in May. It was a pre-Christian force which drove them all into agreement upon the twenty-fifth of December, just as they wisely took the Christmas tree from the Roman Saturnalia. So they took the date of their festival from the universal pre-Christian festival of the winter solstice, Yule, when mankind celebrated the triumph of the sun over the powers of darkness. When the night begins to decrease and the day to increase, when the year turns and hope is born again because the worst is over, no more suitably symbolic moment could have been chosen for a festival of faith, good will, and joy. And the appositeness of the moment is just as perfect in this era of electric light and central heating as it was in the era of Virgil, who, by the way, described a Christmas tree. We shall say this year with exactly the same accents of relief and hope as our pagan ancestors used, and as the woaded savage used, the days will begin to lengthen now. For while we often falsely fancy that we have subjugated nature to our service, the fact is that we are as irremediably as ever at the mercy of nature. Indeed, the attitude of us moderns towards the forces by which our existence is governed ought to be, and probably is, more reverent and awestruck than that of the earlier world. The discoveries of science have at once quickened our imagination and compelled us to admit that what we know is the merest trifle. The pagan, in his ignorance, explained everything. Our knowledge has only deepened the mystery, and all that we shall learn will but deepen it further. We can explain the solstice. We are aware, with absolute certitude, that the solstice and the equinox and the varying phenomena of the seasons are due to the fact that the plane of the equator is tilted at a slight angle to the plane of the ecliptic. When we put on the first overcoat in autumn. And when we give orders to let the furnace out in spring, we know that we are arranging our lives in accordance with that angle, and we are quite duly proud of our knowledge. And much good does our knowledge do us. Well, it does do us some good, and in a spiritual way too. 
for nobody can even toy with astronomy without picturing to himself more clearly and more startlingly than would be otherwise possible a revolving globe that whizzes through elemental space around a ball of fire which in turn is rushing with all its satellites at an inconceivable speed from nowhere to nowhere and to the surface of the revolving whizzing globe a multitude of living things desperately clinging and these living things in the midst of cataclysmic danger and between the twin enigmas of birth and death quarrelling and hating and calling themselves kings and queens and millionaires and beautiful women and aristocrats and geniuses and lackeys and superior persons perhaps the highest value of astronomy is that it renders more vivid the ironical significance of such a vision and thus brings home to us the truth that in spite of all the differences which we have invented mankind is a fellowship of brothers overshadowed by insoluble and fearful mysteries and dependent upon mutual goodwill and trust for the happiness it may hope to achieve let us remember that christmas is among other things the winter solstice and that the bottom has not yet been knocked out of the winter solstice nor is likely to be in the immediate future it is a curious fact that the one faith which really does flourish and wax in these days should be faith in the idea of social justice for social justice simply means the putting into practice of goodwill and the recognition of the brotherhood of mankind formerly people were enthusiastic and altruistic for a theological idea for a national idea for a political idea you could see men on the rack for the sake of a dogma you could see men of a great nation fitting out regiments and ruining themselves and going forth to save a small nation from destruction you could see men giving their lives to the aggrandizement of an empire and the men who did these things had the best brains and the quickest wits and the warmest hearts of their time but today whenever you meet a first-class man who is both enthusiastic and altruistic you may be sure that his pet scheme is neither theological military nor political you may be sure that he has got into his head the notion that some class of persons somewhere are not being treated fairly are not being treated with fraternal goodwill and that he is determined to put the matter right or perish in england nearly all the most interesting people are social reformers and the only circles of society in which you are not bored in which there is real conversation are the circles of social reform these people alone have an abounding and convincing faith their faith has for example convinced many of the best literary artists of the day with the result that a large proportion of the best modern imaginative literature has been inspired by the dream of social justice take away that idea from the works of h g wells john galsworthy and george bernard shaw and there would be exactly nothing left 
despite any appearance to the contrary therefore the idea of universal goodwill is really alive upon the continents of this planet more so indeed than any other idea for the vitality of an idea depends far less on the numbers of people who hold it than on the quality of the heart and brain of the people who hold it whether the growth of the idea is due to the spiritual awe and humility which are the consequence of increased scientific knowledge i cannot say and i do not seriously care End of chapter 3